Welcome to another delightful, delicious episode of Yummy Podcast, where we savor life's inspiring stories on a journey to help you find your ultimate, most meaningful yet. I'm Crystal Khalil. And I'm Dr. Nicola Beach. We invite you all to join us on this yummy journey. Yes. And as we ask our guests, we'll ask you, what yummy life awaits you? Welcome to another delicious and delectable episode of Yummy Podcast, where we savor inspiring life stories on a journey and quest to help you discover your ultimate, most meaningful yet. I'm your co-host, Crystal Khalil. And I'm Dr. Nicola Beach. And we are excited that you're here because we want to tell you a little bit about us. We want to bring you into our lives the same way we want you to bring us into yours mm. so that you kind of understand how this journey started for us individually and how we ended up being here together. Yeah, yeah. So, sis, tell them, tell our listeners and our viewers what your journey was like. Well... I come from a very hardworking family. My mother grew up in a little town called Greenville, Alabama, not far from Selma. Come on, Greenville. Um, yeah, she grew up, she had a very hard upbringing. And she marched with Martin Luther King. She went to segregated schools. My mom even picked cotton as a little girl. My dad grew up in a little town called Beaumont, Texas. He was a truck driver. He's a retired truck driver now. So he's a truck driver as long as I can remember. And they were just salt of the earth, hardworking people. I'm their oldest baby girl. <laughs> and they taught me that I had to work twice as hard to get half because that's what they came from. So I wanted to, I was the brilliant child. I was the one that did well in school, always trying to, um, get their affirmation and love for, you know, being the good child, right? Yeah. So I was the first one in my family to go to college. I moved to Atlanta, went to college, and did what they told me to do. Work hard, keep your head down, your nose clean, work hard. And when I graduated college, I remember getting my first job, uh, not too far from here where we're taping, right around the corner. Got a job at a chemical manufacturing company and I remember walking through the uh, office. They were taking me on a tour on my walkthrough. And I'm looking around and I started to feel something, but I couldn't really tell what it was. Have you ever been in a space with a lot of people, but you feel alone? Yes, ma'am. You know, I don't know what your reason was, but for me, as I looked around that room, I didn't see anybody who looked like me. I didn't see any people of color. And the very few women that I saw in that office were administrative assistants. <laughs> and as I walked through there and you know, I looked along the wall where the, the offices with windows, nobody looked like me, all white males. And I started, all my confidence began to drain. All my confidence began to just leave my body. And so I defaulted to the belief system that my hardworking parents taught me. Keep your head down, your nose clean, right? Work hard. 
keep business, business, personal, personal. Don't let them focus in your business. Go to work. Right. Do what you're supposed to do. And I started, I was exceeding expectations. So that first year, I learned the job. And what I realized very quickly was I was the first black person in the office. But all the people who looked like me worked in the manufacturing plant. Mm. They worked in the manufacturing plant. Some of them had bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and they were forklift drivers. Wow. And I was the first black person that they had hired in the office. So once I figured out, okay, the lay of the land, how to get things done, I could get those guys out there in the manufacturing plant to do anything for me, right? So I was hardworking, I was exceeding expectations. Year one, year two, year three, all my KPIs, my numbers, higher than anybody else, right? But I started to notice something. The people that I worked with were being promoted, they were being moved to other departments, they were moving up, I was just working hard. Mm -hmm. So I said, maybe I need to go back to school. Right. Because I've got my <laughs> bachelor's degree, but I must be missing something. Right. So maybe I need to go back to school. So I go back to school by now. I'm a mom, right? So I'm working full time. I'm a mother. I'm going to school at night to get my master's degree. Year four, year five, year six, year seven, I graduate with my master's degree. I'm still kicking butt on all my KPIs. I'm still... I'm the go-to person in the office to get anything done. We got an order that needs to get expedited. Come to me. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to get those machines running. And so I get my master's degree and I'm like, hey, Tana. <laughs> right? And they're like, great job. Good job, Crystal. Still no conversation about my, my plan, my right. succession plan. Where am I going, right? And so I was like, you know what? This must not be the place for me. Yeah. Maybe I need to leave this organization. And I started to feel like it's because I'm a black woman. I'm a black person. You know, they're discriminating against me. It's holding me back. So I go to the director of my department, um, who he was one level above my manager. And I said to him, you know, I think that I, it's time for me to move on. I don't think this is the place for me. Every year y'all give me exceeds ex, uh, expectations on my performance reviews. You guys are telling me I'm doing a great job. I've gone back and got my master's, yet nobody's talking to me about next steps for me. I don't see a future. And what he said to me, Nicole, changed my life. He said, you know what? You are the hardest worker. Mm -hmm. He said, I've been watching you and I'm glad we're having this conversation. You are the hardest worker, but you come in here every day, you go in your office, you work, you don't network with people. He said, people are hired, fired, promoted, and demoted over water cooler conversations, at drinks, happy hour. And he's like, nobody really knows you. Wow. And all you will ever be is a hard worker if you don't learn to network. Wow. Sis. I was pissed. I know. I can imagine. <laughs> I was pissed. I was like, you mean to tell me? For eight years, I've been keeping this place running. Right. I went back and got my master's degree, and you're telling me it's because y'all don't like me, because I don't make friends, because I don't network, because I don't go out to drinks, because my mom told me, look, don't let them folks in your business. Don't let them in your house. Man, I remember a story since my mom told me she worked with a lady who won the lottery. My mother worked in a manufacturing plant in Rochester, New York. She worked with a lady who won the lottery and didn't tell anybody, but she went and bought a house 
And one day she's pulling out her driveway, going to work, and her boss is coming down the street. Yep. And he saw her. They lived in the same neighborhood. When she got to work, she was laid off. Yep. And so the moral of that story was you don't let white folks in your business. Yeah. Don't don't let them in your house. Heck, my mother grew up in segregated yeah. Alabama. Yes. Right? And even though that wasn't my story, I still had that living in my head. That limiting and belief. And that's yep. how I was showing up. So it was at that moment when he told me that I had to take it in because a wise person listens to wise counsel. I heard him and I started to look around at the people who were moving up within that organization. And they didn't work harder than me, but they knew a balance between the networking and the hardworking. Right. That's what I was lacking. And at that time, I wasn't able to turn it around at that company. I was too young, too immature. I hadn't done enough self-work. But what I decided was when I go to the next company, when I leave here, I'm going to start different because this is a new crowd. They don't know me. So at my next company, I came in with a different mindset that I'm going to network. My next company was Porsche. Yeah. Amazing brand, but it was a German company. There would often be times when I was the only a person of color, only female, and only person who was a native English speaker mm. in meetings. Mm-hmm. But I learned to connect with those people. And I started, and I, when I looked around, I didn't see anybody in leadership that looked like me. But I made a decision that I was going to become what I didn't see. I was going to open doors that I felt you know, I, once I opened the doors, I was going to hold them for those who look like me right. to come behind me because I didn't want people to come in after me and not see a reflection of themselves in leadership. Right. And after 20 years of kicking down doors and breaking through glass ceilings, I finally achieved that dream job, that C-suite job, that executive job, right? I finally achieved that. And then I thought, What's next? Mm-hmm. Because I'd established myself in the community at work with my family as that brilliant caretaker, caretaker. we talk about, right? Yeah. The person everybody comes to, to get it done. I'm a get it done person, right? And I'm going to do it in service, humility, and, and excellence. excellence. But I started to look around and say, okay, God, what's next for me? What is next for me? Because... I feel like I'm being pulled for more and this is, I finally achieved what I've been trying to achieve, but I am in a golden cage. I feel like an eagle (laughs) trapped in a finch cage. And every time I go to spread my wings, I feel like I get cut short. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I made a decision that I was going to take a leap in 2018. I hired an executive coach and she started to really hold me accountable to what it is I said I wanted. I made a three-year plan to exit corporate America and was able to do that in two years. Wow. I retired in 2020 as a best-selling author of a book called Hard Workers Work Hard, Networkers Move Up, which yeah. is based on my story, moving up through corporate America. And I decided to um, launch a business in executive coaching. And I thought I had it all figured out. Right. I thought I knew the plan. (laughs) I thought I knew the pathway. 
Uh, but the minute I took that leap, God caught me and he swept me up and he partnered me with you. <sighs> Which I hear the violins. Do you man, hear the violins? <laughs> I could have never expected. Yeah. I could have never expected. I said to somebody the other day, I couldn't want high enough. Ooh, that's yummy. I thought I knew what I wanted, yeah. but I couldn't even want high enough that's yummy, for sis. what God had for me when I was able to actually take the leap because I was comfortable. I knew that job like the back of my hand, yeah. right? I could come in there and get it done. It, it just, it was the back of my hand. I had an amazing team. I I just, I could do that with, with my eyes closed, but I was comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time. So it was familiar. It was familiar. Right. Right? Right. It was just, it was what I knew. Right. And I didn't know who I was outside of that golden cage. Yeah. And so a, a mutual friend of ours who yeah. was a colleague of mine introduced us and said, I've got a sister I need you to meet. Yeah. And he said, I feel like you all have like-minded spirits. I was the head of procurement. She was bidding on some business at the time. And he introduced us and we went out to lunch. We went out twice. The first time we went out with a bunch of people. Yep. And, but we knew there was a connection. The second time we went out, we shut the place down. Yeah. <laughs> they were sweeping around us, everybody. They were like, you know what? You guys seem like you're having too much fun. Yeah. So let us work around you because we're closing, yeah. but it's fine. It, it was amazing because um, I recognized very quickly in you an authenticity that's very rare. Oh. You know, I had met a lot of people and in my job, I had the opportunity to help a lot of people, right. meet a lot of people. Um, but it was something different. When you and I met, we clicked, we connected and we showed up. I showed up as the head of procurement for Porsche Cars. <laughs> right. You showed up as CEO of Volition Enterprises. And after a few seconds, we were just crystal in the cold. Right. The mask dropped off. We talk about the wiggle and the mask all the time mm -hmm. with our tribe, you know, taking the mask off. Our mask fell off. And it was like, I see you. Right. I see you, sis. Right. Wow. You are me. And I, I am, am you. you. Yeah. And we were able to connect. And it was just, it was powerful. And I felt seen, I felt heard, I felt valued, even in, in that one conversation. Right. And we knew this is something we've got to cultivate. We've yeah. got to grow this. Right. And when I made that leap, you called me. I did. I had been out of corporate America maybe a month. And you called me and you said, I heard you took the leap and I want to celebrate you. If you're a high achieving woman and you're listening to this, people around you probably think you have everything you need or desire. But Crystal and I both know you've realized there's more and you've been called to more. We base our programs and framework around helping women like you find their limitless selves, providing a space, a safe space for them to break through ceilings and remove the walls that limit experiencing the life they truly desire. Join us for our Woman Unlimited Live. Check out the link below. You'll find coaching, community, and connection you've been looking for. 
See you there. Now back to this yummy episode. Now y'all, I want you to understand, <laughs> like I said, I had been in a position to help everybody else. And as the brilliant caretaker, that's what I do. I take care of other people. I give, I serve. So for somebody to offer to help me, to yeah. see me, it was like the best drink of water I could ever ask for. Wow. And so you called me, you invited me to your house for breakfast and made me a fantastic, fabulous breakfast. I'm trying to tell you it went down in the kitchen that day. All the way down. Y'all, she made me pineapple French toast and eggs with shucked corn in it and candied bacon. Okay. She had me at hello. And eight hours later, we were in partnership and business together. Wow. We've come a long way, haven't we, sis? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing to see how God moves. And we have to see it as a God thing. Yeah. Um, you know my story well. I got to go back so you understand the context. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a miracle baby. Hands down, my mother had four pregnancies before me, two that were miscarriages, and I had a baby sister named Sharon and a baby brother named Kendall. They both died. And my mom was told she was not going to have any more children. She could not have any more children. That's a wrap. So my mother gets in a really bad car accident. She has a cast on her leg. (laughs) <laughs> she has a cast on her leg. Come on, mama. And um, she can't have any more children. She has a cast on her leg. She goes to the doctor to have a procedure done. And the doctor says, something is not right. I'll be right back. Comes back, does what he does. And he says, you're pregnant. She said, there's just no way. I'm not pregnant. He said, you are absolutely pregnant. And did I tell you she had a cast on her leg? Sorry, mom, telling <laughs> all on, your business. Mama. Telling all your business, right? <laughs> but my mother was intensely afraid for her entire pregnancy. Is this baby going to die before it's born? Is it going to be a miscarriage? Is something going to happen to me? Mm. So it was nine months of this womb of fear and intensity. When I was born, she was in the hospital for over a month and a half. So I didn't have breastfeeding, any of that stuff. And the funny thing is they were like, Jesus, don't wake up the La Beach baby. Because when the La Beach baby wakes up, the entire nursery has to be woken up. So literally, I'm in this womb with this mom who wants me really badly, but is afraid that I'm not going to come to fruition Mm. because of all the pain before Mm. conception. So I get here and then it's, is she gonna die prematurely? So it's all of these protective mechanisms to make sure that I don't get into an accident or I don't wound myself why don't hurt myself or something tragic doesn't happen because it's this undocumented fear that 
this one is going to die. So, you know, my mom was a hairstylist. She was five foot three, red haired Caribbean woman who ended up having a beauty salon. And that was where I was incubated with all of these stories Mm -hmm. of women who had love and loss, women who wanted to start their own businesses, they were struggling on their jobs or they were moving up the corporate ladder and they came in wanting prayer or they came in trying to figure out how to deal with challenges that made them not feel beautiful. Mm. So it made sense that God gave her a daughter whose gifting was to hold the space Mm -hmm. for people to achieve their highest and best good. That's that's a gift for me. And I ended up leaving there, going to college, went to an all-girls college, Spelman College, the only college on the planet Earth. In my mind, bleed blue, it is what it is. And ended up trying to find my way of how to cultivate gifts. Mm. How to cultivate the gifts that I knew I had in this space and and make a level of relevance for myself as a woman. Mm. I moved from there, went to graduate school, got the PhD, did all of this stuff, ended up being in corporate America at two of the biggest companies ever, Anheuser-Busch, mm-hmm. parent-owned company, and then Fox, right, News Corporation. Moved into leadership in News Corporation, then I hit the wall. And the wall was... It's it's feeling dark and it's feeling like this mm. place is not my place to bloom. I I felt literally like a flower that had petals that couldn't bloom in this space. Mm. So it was time to move on, but move where? Do what? What's my next? Ended up having the experience of massive company layoffs and companies being sold off after 9-11. In that moment, I was like, okay, what's next? Sis, before I could leave that job, before I could pack up everything from being laid off, I was offered my next job. Mm. Bigger job, right? Bigger (laughs) job, more money, higher status position as a leader at another network. And I remember speaking to the recruiter and saying, I got about three minutes of courage. Take my name out of the hat. Wow. And she said, what did they do? Nicole, what did they do? This is your job. What did they do? I said, for spiritual reasons, I need you to take my name out of the hat. Sis, I cried Mm. and ate for three weeks straight. I don't think I was breathing, but I was eating and crying because I was like, you are so stupid. Who gets laid off from a job, a leadership position, gets another leadership position bigger than the one you had Mm. and decides that you're going to back away from that and not do that job? Well, I did because I felt in my spirit and it came to me in a dream. If I went to that job, there was a a six foot needle Mm that was pulling blood out of my arms in this dream. And when I woke up, I was like, okay, God, what's up? Like, all right, I'm ready to talk now. Before, I didn't want to pray about the next opportunity. But this time, I'm like, I got the dream. 
I'm hearing you loud and clear. What do you want me to do? And I heard so clearly, if you go to this job, I will be there and I will bless you. But if your question is, is this my best for you? This is not my best for you. I was like, oh my God. So I turned down the opportunity and I took the leap. I took the leap feeling like this can't be a fall because I know I hear you. So I'm going to leap and I'm going to start my own business. 16 years later, I am doing it. I mean, I'm doing the doggone thing. I'm coaching executives. I'm coaching pastors of mega churches. I'm coaching uh, uh, athletes. I'm coaching businessmen and women. I'm doing it. And I hear so clearly where I'm taking you, you can't do it this way. Mm. I was like, I don't even know what you mean by that, God. Like, seriously, I don't even know what you mean. He was like, where I'm taking you, you're going to have to be more vulnerable than the way you move right now. Mm. And I, I promise you, sis, that desire to get to the next level did not include that request <laughs> in my mind to be more vulnerable. And I was like, why do I have to do that? I got all of the stuff. I got the car, I got money, I got hardwood floors, I got a pool, I got a gated community, I got a, why do I need the vulnerability thing? And he was like, because where I'm taking you, people have to not just be able to connect with your heart, with mm. your head and what you can do they're going to have to connect with your heart, which means you're going to have to take the cover mm. from off of it. You're going to have to let it be connected with. So it's like that safety plug on the wall yeah. where you put that cover over the plug. He was like, you have to take that off so people can tap in and plug in to what I'm doing in and through you. And when that occurred for me, Everything changed. I went through a locust experience where everything was gone. God brought me back. And then he said, now I'm about to knock your socks off. I'm like, you can't knock my socks off more than you already have, God. I lost everything. And the house that you blessed me with is 22 times what I lost. Yes. You can't knock my socks Come off on, more Lord. than that. And he said, watch me. And he introduced me to you. Wow. Girl, you bad. You bad. You bad. You bad, girl. He introduced me to you. I was like, yo, she is so much more than 22 times what you already gave me. Yes, God. This is the yummy. Before knowing what the yummy was. You know, isn't that just like God? It's just like God. Right? He took us on individual journeys. Yeah. And the things that we went through were for this moment, our ultimate, most, most meaningful, meaningful yet. And that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So, hey, swag alert. Every episode, y'all, we wear T-shirts that are kind of our favorite sayings. Mine today says, nothing stops my yes. That part. 
And mine's today says yummy. So if you want to get them, go to crystalanddrnicole.com. Get your yummy swag. And we leave you with this question. What yummy awaits you? What is your ultimate, most meaningful yet? Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Yummy Podcast. We hope this fun episode was impactful, insightful, and as yummy as it gets. If you really want to live your ultimate, most meaningful yet, make sure to write us a review on your favorite podcast listening platforms. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend because they may be discovering their yummy too. Until our next episode, be sure to head over to crystalanddrnicole.com. Join our mailing list, connect on upcoming events, learn how to work with us, and get your yummy swag.